Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So excited at 8.15 calling in. Thanks to the great Jared Abrams is my guest, Luke Long, who owns a 400-acre ranch with his family at the foothills of the Grand Tetons in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Wide open spaces. He's going to talk to us about the value, the therapy, when your eyes can see forever. And it made me think all week wide open spaces in art in sports in surgery and certainly in food what is so special about wide open spaces well you know my two passions outside of being a surgeon are sculpting in marble going to italy to the mountains in italy the wide open spaces where the marble is and i get to sculpt but my other passion is surfing looking out at the horizon trying to see which wave will be mine to ride the wide open spaces of the ocean is therapy for me. It allows me to meditate, to look at that horizon line. Jerry Lopez, my favorite surfer, talks about that value of wide open spaces of the ocean and what he learned from the Dalai Lama, which we'll get into in a second. But what about in the world of art music? Well, it was this song that came to mind immediately. Who doesn't know what I'm talking about? Who's never left home? Who's never struck out? These are the Dixie Chicks. To find a dream and 1998. This was the number one song in country music and in rock and roll, pop music. Singing this song is Natalie Maines. The two sisters, Emily and Marty Irwin, playing the banjo and the fiddle. Took over Nashville and the music world by blending rock and country. But they're singing this song. Wide Open Spaces became the biggest hit. But they didn't write this song. Susan Gibson wrote this song. Susan Gibson, a songwriter, going to school for forestry at the University of Montana from Amarillo, Texas, originally. She wrote that song as a teenager. She wrote a lot of songs. None of them became hits, but this one became a hit. And what does it represent, Wide Open Spaces, to Susan Gibson? How did she write this song that became such a hit? This is Wide Open Spaces in the World of Art and Music. Listen to Susan Gibson giving the story. You weren't in the songwriting craft when you actually wrote that song. No, you know what? I found a cassette tape of the first, like, 18 songs I ever wrote that I sent to my mom, and Wide Open Spaces was number 12 on there. And I probably recorded them in order that I wrote them, you know, just because that was 
the level of my artistic craft at that time was like, well, this one is the one I wrote first, so it'll go first on the cassette tape that I record in the basement of my friend Cleve Malmstrom's house, you know? So yeah, it was, it was a really early song for me. It's about having a dream, those wide open spaces. That's what it meant to Susan Gibson, the dream of being in the music business and not being in the forestry business. You know what I love about that too? I've thought about this a lot, Eric is I think if that song would have been, or that, that event of the chicks getting that song and putting it on their record would have happened later in my career, I might have thought that I earned it. Right. You know, but it happened so early on that I, it's so clear what a blessing it is, you know, a gift really. That's the secret. Be grateful for everything that you have in this wide open space of earth that we live on. Susan Gibson is grateful for that one and only big hit that she has. So that's good for me and my ego to not <laughs> think that I somehow deserve that. Sure. You know, because there's, there's a lot of people that are working really hard that never get that kind of a thing going. And uh, so I had, I had some uh, magic around me that year. And a paycheck that comes in the mailbox every paycheck. once in a while. Yeah. Wide open spaces makes you think in life about your own life of the magic that it is and how special it is, how fortunate we are to be here and to be healthy. That's also what I would wish for my friends that I see working so hard is just that that breathing room to go. Right. You know, not feel the pressure of having to write those songs all the you know hit after hit after hit. I mean, that's the only one I have, you know? And it was a big one, but it also allows me to write my quirky little songs that aren't gonna ever be a big hit, you know? Awesome. Wide Open Spaces is a metaphor of the infinite possibilities that can happen in your life to make your dreams come true. How did she actually write that song? Listen to her tell the story. So uh, this, is a, this is a song that is completely autobiographical. I wrote it about making that trip from Amarillo, Texas, that place where the sky comes all the way down to the ground, up to Missoula, Montana, that place where the ground goes all the way up to the sky. And I don't know how many times we drove by Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and never got off the interstate because we were on a, a mission. Wide Open Spaces in Sports, the man who teaches me the most about it, my favorite surfer, Jerry Lopez, talking about the wide open space of the ocean and how it teaches us as surfers about life. You know, as surfers, we really are our own tribe. And as surfers, we learn a lot of lessons from the surf, from the ocean, that we bring back with us to the beach to live our lives. And in fact, um, many of the greatest lessons have more to do with life than they do with the surf. And Whether it's the wide open space of the ocean or the wide open space of Jerry Lopez's other love, which is snowboarding down the face of a mountain, that's where the dreams come from. That's where the appreciation of life and what we're doing here comes from. Clever aphorisms for everything. But another one is, follow the instructions, 
Take what you get. Spent a lot of mornings looking at a fresh snow-covered mountainside or maybe nice waves peeling through an empty lineup, feeling I was in the presence of something holy. And a difference I've observed in riding the mountains as opposed to riding waves is that the mountains hold still for the ride. In surfing, it happens on a landscape or maybe I should say a seascape that's completely in motion. Everything's moving out in the surf. Hmm. It's a metaphor for life, those wide open spaces. And that's why surfing is such a good metaphor for life. Life doesn't hold still for us. If we don't move with it, life is just gonna pass us right by. Surfing teaches us to go with the flow smoothly and to be in the moment spontaneously. And this way we get the most out of the wave as well as out of life. It's in wide open spaces that we learn the true meaning of our life. We realize how small we are compared to the universe. How wrong most of us get it, life. We get so caught up in the little parts. Here Jerry Lopez teaches us what the Dalai Lama taught him and why the wide open space of the ocean means so much to him. I always like to start with uh, something from the Dalai Lama. You know, he was once asked uh, what surprised him most about humanity, and he answered, man, because he sacrifices his health to make money. And then he sacrifices his money to recuperate his health. Mm. And he's so anxious about the future that he's not able to enjoy the present. The result being, he doesn't live in the present or the future. And he lives as if he's never gonna die, and then dies having never really lived. You gotta live in the moment. And when you stand there looking out at a big mountain, at a sky, at an ocean, it teaches you how to live your life and to have dreams. This moment is all there is. The future and the past only exist in the present. If we live in recollection and anticipation, we have a much less clear picture of the present. Mm. And surfing is an absolutely spontaneous endeavor. Every wave is, well, like a snowflake. It's unique. It's always a little bit different from any other. We have expectations about everything we do. And when those expectations are not fulfilled, we suffer disappointment. Hmm. You know, expectations have a bit of arrogance about them, and they get in the way of the learning process. It's better to be open-minded and humble. There's a simple Chinese proverb that's served me well over the years. Ride the horse in the direction it's going. Ride the horse in the direction it's going. What does he mean by that? I'm going to ask Luke Long, my guest, what exactly he hears in that sentence. But ultimately, wide open spaces, what to do with your life. Here he quotes the Dalai Lama again. 
Back to the Dalai Lama. His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama says we are visitors here on this planet. We're here for 90 to 100 years at most. We must use this time to do something good, something useful. Be at peace with yourself and share that peace. By contributing to other people's happiness, we find the true goal, the true meaning in life. And that's why I'm here for 10 and a half years on the radio, to give back, to be at peace and make those who are calling at peace. Who knew the Dalai Lama was Jewish? Because that's where I learned it. But we are all connected. When you look at that sky, you look at the mountain, and you look at that ocean, there's a therapy in that. And the expert in wide open spaces is coming up next with me, the great Luke Long. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Dr. Clapper says measure twice, cut once. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Il Dr. Clapper dice, misura due volte, taglia una sola volta. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. There is a young cowboy who lives on the range His horse and his cattle are his only companions He works in the saddle and he sleeps in the canyons Waiting for summer, his pastures to change Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I feel terrible interrupting James Taylor. What a song. But it's important to interrupt him because we have to talk to our real cowboy, the great Luke Long. Luke, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Howdy, Dr. Clapper. I'm um, excited to be here. Uh, Listen, my favorite sculptor, I sculpt in marble, go to Italy every summer to work in Michelangelo's quarry. But I can't talk to Michelangelo, but I can talk to you. So I want to pick your brain. I want to pick your brain as an expert in your field of wide open spaces, particularly what you do on those wide open spaces in Wyoming. Tell me when you hear Jerry Lopez, my favorite surfer, talk about ride the horse in the direction it's going. You know, expectations have a bit of arrogance about them and they get in the way of the learning process. It's better to be open-minded and humble. There's a simple Chinese proverb that's served me well over the years. Ride the horse in the direction it's going. How relaxing that must be to not have to think and just go the way the horse wants to go. What does that mean to you? Wow, I love that. I love that quote. Um, (laughs) You know, (laughs) I think so often we think, you know, we're in control and we have all these grand plans, mm-hmm. but that's right. What Jerry was saying, you, you, you got to learn from the horses, from life. And there's so much, I, I grew up in Wyoming, Jackson Hole, these big, beautiful outdoor spaces, Yellowstone on one, one side, Grand Teton National Park on Jeez. the other. Mm. 
And I think sometimes, you know, we get so stuck on our way and like he was saying, just not being humble or arrogant, think we know everything that we miss all the beauty around us, you know, the open trails. And I don't know, there's really something to it. You learn a lot from horses. I'll tell you that. I I had a really good horse growing up named Snickers Hmm. and I won every competition I ever entered on her. People said, you're a great horseback rider. And I was like, no, I just got a good horse. (laughs) And that was the trick, you know, have a good horse and, and learn, keep learning and just enjoy the ride. That's the thing. When I interviewed Vin Scully, probably the greatest sports announcer ever, and it's just great he's still with us, he could not have been more humble and more gracious and feel more fortunate in his life and blessed. And it's the same thing. You're going to get all the credit of being this superstar horseback rider? No. I just have a really good horse. Something about being humble that really is the secret to life. Here's another soundbite that I want to play for you and listen to your reaction to it and what do you, what you hear with your ears and teach us a little bit. This is Susan Gibson who wrote that song Wide Open Spaces. So uh this is a this is a song that is completely autobiographical. I wrote it about making that trip from Amarillo, Texas, that place where the sky comes all the way down to the ground up to Missoula, Montana, that place where the ground goes all the way up to the sky. And I don't know how many times we drove by Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and never got off the interstate because we were on a a mission. Beautiful description as a songwriter of the sky coming to to earth and the earth rising up to the sky. Is that what you have in Wyoming on your ranch? Oh, my gosh, it's incredible. So our ranch, Diamond Cross Ranch, sits right at the base of the Grand Teton Mountain Range. Mm. And, you know, for anyone who's seen the Grand Tetons, they're incredible. They're these snow-capped mountains that just jut out of the middle of these green, grassy fields. And growing up, I looked out on those mountains every day, and I think I kind of took it for granted until I left Wyoming. And then I appreciated how lucky I'd been growing up. But I remember my grandfather, he was a, a, a cowboy bronc rider, Wyoming, you know, Cattleman of the Year Hall of Fame. He at night would sit back after a long day's work, and he would always point to the sunset. When the sun sets over the Tetons, it can light up the clouds and light up the sky. And he would say, I wouldn't trade that view for all the money in the world. Wow. And I think he genuinely meant that you know you think of all the things in life we get so tied up with wanting to achieve or have our own and sometimes just right out in front of us are the most valuable things and for him that was it just sitting on his ranch at the end of the day looking out at the sunset and over the tetons and it was worth more than than anything in the world to him are you sure your grandfather was not the dalai lama did you hear the quote (laughs) from the dalai lama i'm gonna play it again listen to jerry lopez talking about the dalai lama I was like to start with uh, something from the Dalai Lama. You know, he was once asked uh, what surprised him most about humanity, and he answered, man, because he sacrifices his health to make money. And then he sacrifices his money to recuperate his health. And he's so anxious about the future that he's not able to enjoy the present. The result being, he doesn't live in the present or the future. 
and he lives as if he's never going to die, and then dies having never really lived. Luke, I'm a surgeon. I'm a doctor. I went to medical school to take care of people, to take away their pain. Do you believe that on some level you are a, a healer, that you're in the healthcare business also by being able to open up people's eyes and get them to get off that, that uh, escalator of life where they just cannot pay attention to what just is in front? Do you see yourself as a healer with your ranch? Yeah, a lot of ways I think we are not, you know, we would never compare ourselves to you and what you do for people. We have a huge respect for medical doctors. But, you know, what we do um, with horses is we help troubled horses. So these horses that have been abused or in accidents or just given up on, often they're they're in the kill pin, which means, you know, if, if no one comes in to help them, they're, they're probably going to um, be put down. And you know, we on the ranch have developed different techniques to help those horses work through problems. And a big part of working through their problems is just getting the horse to move their feet, face their problems, have courage, all these, you know, kind of simple yet we call them Western truths. And almost any horse can be rescued and made into a great horse. We never give up. We almost never give up on a horse. And you say, well, how does that help people? Well, what we've experienced, people come visit the ranch and they watch us working with these rescue horses and they start to see their own life lessons. Mm. And, Mm. okay, what is really important? My health, my family, Mm. my relationships, and do I have the right priorities? And sometimes you just got to step back and see things through a different lens. And the horse, I think many times people start to see themselves and their own problems and it kind of gives them this aha moment. Mm -hmm. But I think there's something else special about the ranch and and big wide open spaces, which is um, I think nature is someplace where it's easier for us to kind of connect spiritually, right? Mm -hmm. And really reconnect with maybe bigger forces out there. And I'm not pushing any religion. Different people, different religions come. But I think we all do at some point have to step back and think about the longer journey mm-hmm. and, and what's important and, you know, what, what are we going to care about when we reach the end of the trail? Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had, we've had a lot of really phenomenal moments where we've, we've seen breakthroughs in people and seen, you know, see their health impacted or, you know, just they made the life changes that then changed their health. And that is really rewarding for us and really special. I mean, I cannot thank Jared Abrams enough for putting us together. Your your life is just one of the more fascinating lives. Teach us, teach the listeners a little bit about what your journey has been like growing up in Wyoming, going to high school in Wyoming, and then you decide, all right, I'm going to leave Wyoming, go to Wall Street. What a story this is. And yet you continue <laughs> to go back to Wyoming part of the time as a therapy almost for yourself, but take us through your story. What was it like to grow up in Wyoming and how the hell do you end up at Harvard in Wall Street? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I grew up on our family's ranch at my grandfather's homestead and, you know, we, I helped, I helped the family, you know, raise the horses, raise the cattle. We were up at 6 a.m. feeding cattle off an old sled that the team pulled. So it was hard and hardy work. But I loved it. And, and Jackson Hole back then, I mean, no one locked their car doors, right? Because there's just no crime. And it was kind of this hmm. surreal experience. And I thought all my life I'd, I'd just be a cowboy. I loved it. I was the Wyoming state champion in 1999, Western hmm. riding champion. Hmm. And 
Um, what happened was cattle prices collapsed as I was going through high school. So as a family, we were faced with this like real crisis of we love the open space. We love our way of life, but it's not sustainable. Mm. And we knew there were these big ranches in Texas that had John Deere tractors, you know, driving with GPS. And, you know, that there's all these reasons that the little ranch couldn't compete. So mm. we were hitting this wall and pretty much dirt poor. And I got a scholarship to go to Harvard. Hmm. And I'd never been to Harvard, never been to Boston, but I just said, I'm going to go because I don't know how else we're going to save the ranch if, if we, you know, if we just keep going down the road, we're going. Hmm. So I showed up in Boston and um, oh I was wearing God. Wrangler jeans and pulling this big suitcase <laughs> with everything I owned down this cobblestone road. And it's really hot in Boston in, in, in the fall. And so I'm like sweating and totally out of place. And I just looked for all the other kids that looked lost. And I was like, you're probably from Idaho and you're from Colorado. We got to stick together. But um, I had a great experience, <laughs> met a lot of people. Always thought after college, I'd, you know, I'd head back to Wyoming. But the truth was I, I had some college debt. And I said, oh, right, I'll go to New York for a couple of years and pay it off. Mm. It's like you said kind of earlier on this call, you know, sometimes we make all these sacrifices to, to earn money. And for a long time, I was focused on, okay, now I got debt, I got to pay that off and next thing, next thing. But, you know, Wyoming started tugging at my heart more and more the longer I was away. Hmm. And you say you can leave Wyoming or the, the boy can leave the ranch, but the ranch never leaves the boy. Hmm. And I started using every vacation I could to just go back and, and help my family. And we started shaping the business. And my wife and I got really involved. And we were able to pivot from a pure cattle and horse ranch to build a really nice wedding business and, and corporate event business where people would come see us train the horses and help these troubled horses. Hmm. And we, we got it to a place where, like, this is sustainable. Our family is going to be able to be here for the next 100 years. Wow. And so I, you know, I think my wife and I have now charted a course to get back there full time. And we're trying to be thoughtful and never take for granted the opportunities we've had. But, heck, it's been a journey, you know, getting to see New York. And I still occasionally wear Wranglers, so my wife yells at me if <laughs> I do it here in New York. <laughs> Who was your roommate in your freshman year? Gosh, I had this kid, um, Vinny Vicante, out of uh, Florida, and Brendan Reed. And Vinny was a math champion out of Florida. And I, I went to Wyoming Public Schools, right? They, I don't know if this is true, but the guidance counselor told me I was the first kid out of Jackson Hole High School, public high school, to get accepted to Harvard. Wow. Well, when I showed up to Harvard, you know, not only was I just totally lost, you know, trying to figure out how do you ride a subway, but... I went to my first class, one of my first classes freshman year, which was supposed to be an easy class. It was classical music. And I said, this is great. You know, I'm going to go work for <laughs> classical music. I grew up listening to country on the radio. Right. And the teacher goes up to the board, and I think they're going to start writing notes, which I'm ready to take. And he takes this chalk and just starts drawing these four lines across the board. And then he starts writing musical notes. And I've never read or written music in my life, so I have no idea what's going on. And then he asked the class, you know, let's go around the room and talk about our music experience. So he asked me, and this is a be beginner's intro to classical music, and I say, my musical experience is listening to Garth Brooks on the radio, and everyone in class chuckled, and then they go to the next girl, and she said, well, I've played classical piano since age three. Oh my God. And I thought, is, am I in the wrong, you know, am I in the wrong classroom? <laughs> 
I think it. I got a C minus in that class. Ah. I was just happy to get through it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. What happened to Vinny? Do you stay in touch with him? Oh my gosh, the kid's a genius. So Vinny, the math champion from Florida, mm-hmm. um, you know, we stayed buddies all four years and roommates. He when he graduated, he went to work in the private equity industry mm-hmm. and pretty quick figured out like, oh, by the way, this is another great thing about Vinny. The Facebook guys ask him to come join as one of like the first <laughs> 10 employees or something. Because, uh, I mean, the kids, he's just unbelievable. But Vinny said, well, why would I do that when you know, I've got this high finance job in New York? Mm-hmm. And we laugh about that now because that would have, you know, Facebook would have been a pretty yeah. good gig. But um, Vinny went on and started his own company called Yip It. And, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's its own, it's its own beast, but, uh, it's a software company and I, I can't even tell you how smart these kids were. So I feel lucky to have gotten to know, you know, guys like Vinny and kids in my class. What was your favorite class, favorite professor at Harvard? Gosh, you know, um, listen, I'm going to give you time to think about it. And then I actually also want to ask you about your own medical stuff, the benign brain stuff that you have. Can you stay on the line? I just, we'll take a break. We'll pay some bills. I really want to continue to talk to you. Is that okay? Absolutely. I'm happy to do it. Okay, Luke. Thanks so much. All right. Hang on the line. We'll pay some bills. Coming back on the Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Good night, you moonlight ladies. Rock of our sweet baby Jane. Deep greens and blues are the colors I choose. Won't you let me go down in my dreams? And rock of our sweet baby Jane. Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook, Know Your Your Knee Posts. One of the most complicated areas of the body, ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your knee on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow! Your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better with the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. When I see the food, I eat it. Bada boom. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm on a light diet. I only eat when it's light out. Bada boom. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. I can see for Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm joined now by a man who can see for miles and miles of wide open spaces in Wyoming, the great Luke Long. Luke, tell us, who was it that really turned you on, a professor, a class, when you were at Harvard? You know, I think my favorite was a guy named Marty Feldstein, Professor Feldstein. A Jewish guy. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> and, a, and an absolute brilliant guy cared about his students. But for me, a kid coming from Wyoming, what was so special about those economics classes he taught is he taught you the fundamentals of why and how things work that mm. I just grown up had just been so mind boggling to me. Like things going on in China are somehow impacting cattle prices in Wyoming or oil prices. And, mm. you know, prior to going to school, I, I had no idea why. You start to see how the world is so interconnected. 
I loved that class. And really, it's it's kind of what led me to Wall Street was, you know, his his economics classes. And I, you know, I, I kind of went back looking at the world a different way. Leave it to you to find a guy from Brooklyn to inspire you, a guy from Wyoming. Just love it. Well, now you're talking to a guy from Far Rockaway, New York, who's also getting a big kick out of talking to someone from Wyoming. Let's talk about your health. What is it that you learned about being on the other side of a successful operation to give you your life back? Tell us about your story with your brain benign uh, brain um, surgery that you underwent twice, no less. Yeah, so I was 25 and I was working as a you know, private equity guy in New York. I just on top of the world in great health, you know. Um, and I thought I was in great health. I went in for an eye exam because I was looking at my computer monitor every day. It was starting to get blurry. And this eye doctor said, I can't get you to 2020, so I'm going to send you to a specialist. And they did some scans when I was there. And I thought, well, this is a lot more work than I thought to get a pair of glasses. And, you know, about two weeks later, out of the blue, I get a call from the, the second eye doctor. And they say, are you sitting down? And I said, uh-oh, I'm not. What's going on? And they said, well, the scan came back, and you've got a cyst in your brain, and it's pressing on your pituitary gland, and it's pressing on your optic nerve, and that's why we can't get your vision back. Hmm. And we don't know right now if it's benign, but we think you're probably going to have to have brain surgery, and you're going to have to have it fast so it doesn't hurt your vision more and hurt your pituitary. And um, that just hit me like a rock, because you know at 25 when you're in good health and it seems like everything's going your way, I just figured I'd live forever, but at least, you know, 80, 90, I thought I had a lot of runway in front of me. So, um, you know, what happened then was I went around to a couple brain surgeons because they say you got to get second or third opinions on these things. And everyone said, yeah, you probably have to have brain surgery and recommend it right away. And most of them, you know, kind of described how they were going to go in through the front, cut it open and all the things that could go wrong. And um, I was, you know, shaken. It was scary stuff. And uh, I I was introduced to Dr. Dr. Theodore Schwartz at a New York Presbyterian. Another Jewish guy. Thank you very much, Luke. Yeah, just I, looking out for me, yeah. my, I'm like, I, oh, my hand, uh, my fingers. I'm looking at all the Jewish guys you touched in your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he said, I can go in through the nose and, you know, it's, it's going to be we won't know until we go in if it's benign or not, but I do think you got to do it right away. And so I remember I went into the um, emergency room for the surgery that day, and my mom was there and my best friend, hmm. and they, you know, said, "Okay, you got to say goodbye." And they they hooked, you know, I kind of remember walking down this hallway and looking back, and my mom's crying, my best friend's crying. I thought, "Geez, you know, they didn't even know if I, you know, what what would happen if I wake up with my vision not." But anyway four or five hours of surgery. I woke up and um, the doctor's there looking down at me. He said, everything, everything went well. I said, wow, okay, that, that's terrific. Piece of cake. And he said, piece of cake for you. And he laughed. <laughs> wow. said, you know, felt like a five hour nap, but um, they got <laughs> back the tissue and they said, it, it's benign. We don't know why it was there. It could have been there since you were a kid, but your vision's going to be okay. Wow. And I thought, wow, you know, I've got to rethink my life and what's important after mm -hmm. that because, mm -hmm. you know, up until that point, I'd just been running as fast as I could at whatever opportunity was in front of me. But it, it does, you know, something like that happens and you stop and you think, okay. You know, I when God, get, when God gives you lemons, you got to make lemonade. And I would bet a lot, Luke Long, 
that that moment in your life has allowed you to now teach so many other people who don't have to have brain surgery, hey, you better come to Wyoming and come to this ranch and actually take in the fact that you're not going to be here forever and make every single moment count. It's a really therapeutic thing you're doing. Yeah, it's horses. Yeah, it's, it's the Grand Tetons. I get all that. But to hit the pause button and appreciate nature and whoever it is that created all that's around us, it's a beautiful thing what you do. As a doctor telling you, you're really in the healing business with your ranch in Wyoming. I want to thank you so much for joining us. How, the, how can the listeners learn about your ranch? Is there a website? Where can we see videos of it? Teach us a little bit how we can learn more about you and Wyoming. Yeah, the easiest way is anyone on Instagram, you just go to di- search Diamond Cross Ranch on Instagram, at Diamond Cross Ranch. Mm-hmm. All the photos, videos of our family, the horses we help, and then a link to our website. And anyone who DMs us there, messages us, we'll get right back to you. It's a family business, you know, so it's my parents, me, my brother and sister, and we'd be honored anyone who wants to come out and share share the ranch with us. We, we love hosts and folks. Well, I've got to talk really my wife into it. Show. I would love to come and uh, meet you guys in person one day. And if you ever want to learn how to surf, you'll come here to Los Angeles and I'll take you to Ventura with me. All right, Luke? Yes, sir. Thank right. you. What a pleasure to meet you. And thank you so much for all that you do for so many people. We really appreciate it. God bless you. God bless. Thank you. Okay. The great Luke Long. All right, Warriors, the clinic will be open. The lines are lit up. I'll give you the number. The number is 877-710-ESPN. And I need to teach you how Walt Disney built Disney World 25,000 acres and knew how to keep the mosquitoes away from the guest. I also have to tell you where that donut hole, that wide open space and food is. Where can you get that? And let's not forget Anthony Rendon. He's out for the season, third baseman for the California Los Angeles Angels because he has to have hip surgery for impingement. What exactly is that? I'll give you some clap revision. And I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. All right, it's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Google the Guggenheim. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Love this song. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's Jimmy Cliff. I can see clearly now. Mm. 
I think Barbara Streisand sings something like on a clear day. Got to do that one too. <laughs> All right. I need to tell you how Walt Disney in the 60s, once he realized in 1955 when he started Disneyland and opened Disneyland, he immediately started to think about a bigger plan. And he started buying orange groves near Orlando, Florida. But he wouldn't tell anybody it was Walt Disney because they jack up the price or wouldn't sell it to him. So he made it 20 different companies. And then one day they announced they were all the same company. It was him. 25,000 acres he bought. Swamps, marshlands in Florida. He was such a smart man, Walt Disney. And he realized, how am I going to let these guests enjoy my vision? And not get bitten by mosquitoes. Well, Walt Disney and the many people he met in his life, one of them was a general, General Joe Potter. Joe Potter helped build the Panama Canal where many, many of the workers died of malaria because the Panama Canal is built in a swamp marshland area. And who carries malaria? Mosquitoes. So Walt Disney realized this guy is smart. He's figured it out. I need to hire this guy to teach us how to do battle with the mosquitoes in Disney World. So before they even started building buildings, he hired General Joe Potter to help him figure out how to do it. And Joe Potter's idea was, listen, what I learned in the Panama Canal is mosquitoes need still water to lay their eggs. If we don't give them any still water and keep the water moving, they can't lay their eggs. So Disney World is built with trenches that go all around it with the right pitch to always keep the water moving. There is no still water. All the buildings have curves in it so that the water doesn't collect on the roof. The drainage system, the trenches, they do other things like have fish in the ponds that eat mosquitoes. There's always fountains in the ponds. But the real secret is Joe Potter's idea of keeping the water that surrounds this swamp marshland always moving. Wide open spaces. It's beautiful, but it has trouble as well. And one of them is mosquitoes. Leave it to Walt Disney to figure out how to build Disney World and not have to worry about the mosquito. Clapper vision for Anthony Rendon. Well, before I do that, let's take a call. Let's take, because I've got too many callers and I want to be able to do some clap revision with the Weekend Warriors. Let's go to Enrique. Enrique, are you on with Dr. Clapper? How can I help? Good morning. How are you, Dr. Clapper? Good morning. Thanks for hanging on for so long. I apologize. Sorry about that. Oh, no problem. And it's a funny thing you'd say about the Jewish thing. My name's Enrique Feldman. Yeah, there uh, you go. You Jewish? Uh, so my father's Jewish and my mother was Catholic. But I, so I, I, I was raised confused. But yeah. Did you have a bar mitzvah? I did, actually, yeah. There you go. So you're a member of the tribe now, Enrique. You, too, could take care of Luke Long if he needs it. There's another Jew yeah. he can meet. Because I, I don't think there's that many of them in Wyoming. But he's met a yeah, lot of them. Funny. And look at how many of them changed that boy from Wyoming's life. He met one in wow. college, and then he met one who had to do his brain surgery. Awesome. And now wow. I'm getting to meet you, Enrique Feldman. I love it. 
What do you do for a living, Enrique? So I work for a fine dining steakhouse. Uh, um, and I've always been in the restaurant business for many years, bartending, served, managed everything. How young are and you? I'm, 50, I'm 56 years old. And where did you grow up? Uh, here, and, and, uh, I'm originally from Chula Vista, but I moved to L.A. And when I graduated in 1983. Where the hell is Chula Vista? Uh, let me guess. You take the 10 and you go east. No, you take the 5 and go south, and right before <laughs> Tijuana. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, Chula Vista. Okay, good. Now you taught me something. All right. What did your yeah. father do for a living? Uh, furniture store and... Um, he was a interior designer. But you didn't want to do that. You went into the food business. Yeah, in the restaurant business. Exactly. The restaurant business, exactly. Wow. All right, how can I help you? What you do to yourself? So I just, so for all these years, I don't know, and then I'm diabetic as well, hmm. but but for all these years, I just had the worst case of the plantar fasciitis. And, and I've done everything I've done. I, I, I have Kaiser. You know, I, I've gone and seen the podiatrist. Uh, they, they've injected me with uh, cortisone on my feet. Nah. Um, I've, got, I've gotten the special insoles. Uh, um, yesterday, I worked a double. And this morning, I, all right, listen, I, I want you to do me a favor. I'm going to help you. First of all, do you even know what plantar fasciitis is? Do you want a clapper vision? Um, I, 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 the, the way they explained it to me, um, I mean, I, I'm kind, I'm not, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, let I'm me, let, exactly. you listen to the show, you know what clapper vision is? Yes. Okay. Here's what's going on on the bottom of your foot. The heel bone is called the calcaneus. The balls of your toes, the metatarsal heads, underneath the skin, there is a canvas-like material that attaches the heel bone to the balls of your toes, the metatarsal heads. And it's a very springy type of structure. My clapper vision is if you took a bow and arrow and you put the, you're holding the bow, the bow of the bow and arrow, the bow is like an arch coming straight off the ground, both tops of the bow are touching the ground so the string of the bow and arrow is touching the floor and you have the arch of the bow that is the arch of your foot the bones are the the tough stiff part of the bow and the string that attaches to one end of the bow to the other is the canvas like material between your heel bone and your metatarsal heads that's the plantar fascia. So every step you take, it's like pushing on the top of the arch of the bow, and the string of the bow gives a little bit. Okay, capiche? Does that make sense? Exactly. No, now, now, could you imagine buying at Big Five a bow of a bow and arrow 56 years ago? Do you think the yeah. string would stay so vibrant and elastic? No, it dries up. You get altacocaritis. You got to be 56 years old. So there is a drying out of the string of the bow of the bow and arrow. And it is actually fraying right where the string attaches to the bow itself at one end, which is where the string attaches to the heel bone. You can get something called metatarsalgia, which is exactly the opposite end of the string, but you and I are talking about the end of the string that touches the heel bone, okay? That's your clapper vision of what is fraying and going on.
Does it make any sense to take a guy who's diabetic and give him cortisone shots? What are you, crazy? You want to get an infection in your foot? You're going to fray it even more? Yeah, you can make it numb with the cortisone, but the downside, the risks, do not make sense at all, in my opinion, for them to shoot you with cortisone. So as we say in New York, forget about it, Enrique. No more shots into your foot. Thank you very much. Now, I get that you're a Kaiser. I respect that. But I need you to come to Cedars right now to get a second opinion. And whatever they charge, you pay it because it's your body we're talking about. You're not having surgery so fast, but you need an opinion. So I'm going to give you two names, and you're going to call them. And when you call, why are you calling? Dr. Clapper from the Weekend Warrior Show sent me, okay? Tell him you're my cousin, okay. Enrique. All right. You got a pencil? Yeah, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Take out I your pad. Know. Take out the I pad you use at the restaurant, it. Enrique. By the way, I'd like veal parmesan if you have that right now. You can take my order. Uh, I actually, no, uh, we have an amazing veal chop. We no, we're we're very high end, really nice. You would love it. What's the I name of the place? Have, you know who goes there a lot is Earl Hirschheiser. Jerry West goes there a lot. Where? Yeah. What's the name of the place? Uh, Del Rey. Del Rey. Okay, I'll have to check it out. I'm going to ask for Enrique when I go. Of course you are. Okay, so. Oh, let me get a paper. I have the paper in the back. Hold on, one. Yeah, it's not like I got a lot of time to talk here, Enrique. Okay, take your time. All of Los Angeles is paying attention to you. No, we, we, we have a lot of you. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to say it. You can listen to the show later on the podcast. Both of these guys right. have been uh, guests on the Weekend Warriors show. I, I think the world of them. One is named Tim Charlton. He's at Cedars. He's an orthopedic surgeon who does foot and ankle. He's amazing. Tim Charlton. And the other one is Max Mahalski. M-I-C-H-A-L-S-K-I. These two guys are smart. They're two orthopedic surgeons who specialize in foot and ankle. And they are experts in plantar fasciitis. You need to get your stuff together and go see them as another opinion. All right? And thanks so much Got for checking in with us, Enrique. All right? Tim Charlton. And what was the second name, Max what? Mihalski, M-I-C-H-A-L-S-K-I. Mahalski. Get a hold of either one of those guys. Go see them, and you'll get taken care of properly. All right? Now, listen, Enrique, you're a total stranger to me. I want you to do something for me. You find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. Thank you so much. All right. God bless you, Enrique. All right, Clapper Vision. You know what? I'm going to wait till next week. We're going to do Anthony Rendon next week as the Clapper Vision because he's out for the season anyway. So that'll be the way. The only other thing I want to tell you before we get to go is the food. Where can you buy wide open spaces as a, fo as a food? Well, you know what a space is? A hole. A donut hole. If you actually sell the hole, you literally go to the counter and basically say, I'd like to buy a space. I'm buying a hole, a donut hole. Only what she does that I have not had any place else is she injects into the donut custard. But my favorite is raspberry. And then coats it with this coating. Oh, my God. It like melts in your mouth. Donut holes. Good time donuts. Ask for Sue. Weekend Warriors show, tell her. That's how come you came, because of Dr. Clapper. If you go around Sunday at 8 o'clock, you may see me there after I'm done surfing. All right, let's talk about next week. Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak. Look what he did. He got Milwaukee a championship. 
Wait till Steve Pallette gets me the sound bites of him saying, I did it the hard way, but I did it the right way. I didn't leave my team. I stayed in here in Milwaukee, and I built a team around me. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, we all saw it. What a special thing he did. Well, my guest next Saturday is an expert on Giannis. She wrote a book about him before he won the championship. Mirren Fader. Jared Abrams tracked her down. And it made me think already, what am I going to talk to her about? What am I going to talk to you about? The story of Giannis in sports, in art, and in surgery. And I've already started to think, Mick Jagger, the Rolling Stones, you don't see him having a solo act. He stayed with the group. He stayed with his team all these years. This, to me, is fascinating in the world of sports. And in the world of art, well, you'll have to hear it next week. Until then, I'll leave you with Volare, which means I'm singing and I'm flying, which you and I did for two hours this morning, and we'll do it again next Saturday. Until then, I'll see you on the radio. on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy a wise decision. The Weekend Wear Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. <laughs>